Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. I welcome everybody tonight to a special show that we will be doing on low-dose naltrexone. This is actually a repeat of a show that I did a little while ago. It's a pre-recorded session. And um, there's a reason why I wanted to do this show and, and revisit low-dose naltrexone, and the reason was is as I've been doing uh, other shows recently, and we've been doing shows on things like mastocytosis, uh, mast cell activation disorder, dysautonomia, POTS, and uh, other dysautonomic conditions, <clears throat> what, has, what keeps coming up, and I keep telling everybody that um, there's a common base to a lot of co- chronic illnesses, and that's inflammation, okay, of whatever ilk, but inflammation is the key. Um, and one of the substances out there that is not only very effective but very cost-effective, because this costs about a dollar a day, is the low-dose naltrexone. Uh, if you look it up, you'll find out that it's a narcotic, okay? It's a narcotic in very high doses. And the doses used for these um, conditions, the dosages run about a half a milligram to 4.5 milligrams, whereas the pain-killing doses for naltrexone are up at 100, 150 milligrams. I had the pleasure uh, a few months back to interview Linda Elsegood. Linda Elsegood has successfully treated her MS with low-dose naltrexone, and I'm not going to get into her story because she's going to be telling it. And um, you should know that uh, it's my belief that every thing, every condition every, how can I put this, every um, type of treatment needs a zealot, and Linda's that kind of zealot. She has uh, dedicated her life, literally, so that everyone with an autoimmune disease can be afforded, should they, ch- should they choose, uh, low-dose low naltrexone. Um, let me tell you right off the bat, LDN is not a cure, okay, but and it doesn't work for everybody, but it works for a lot of people. And even though it's not a cure, uh, it has been able to get people out of wheelchairs, decrease their inflammation enough that other things can be done a bit easily. You've all heard me give the analogy that you've got a five-alarm fire up there in your brain, and we need to start pouring water on it so that we can see what's causing the fire, what gas jets are on, and so forth. Well, guess what? Okay, LDN is one of the best fire hoses I've heard of in a long time. So this uh, interview is about 45 minutes in length. I'm going to turn it on in a second. Uh, I will uh, speak afterwards. I will see if I can take phone calls or any kinds of questions. If there's something I cannot answer, I will uh, email Linda and get her, uh, uh, her view on it. I just found out today she's in Bulgaria touting uh, LDN, so <laughs> she couldn't be on the phone with us today. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I will do my best to answer all your questions, and um, that's kind of it. By the way, things are going great here at the uh, Center for Bioindividualized Medicine, 
And um, if you are looking for a consultation, I suggest uh, you call as soon as you can for our free 15-minute um, Get Acquainted sessions to see if I or Sean can help you because uh, we are filling up like crazy. Uh, things are uh, going very, very well. A lot of people are getting better. Uh, we'll look forward to serving you. Okay, and um, I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. And um, so here we go. Let's see if this recording still works. Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Armine here at the Bioindividualized Medical Center in southeastern Pennsylvania. We have a very exciting show for you tonight. Uh, we have a very special guest. We're going to be talking about LDN, or low-dose naltrexone, which is being used for um, the treatment of chronic illnesses. Okay, we have the honor of speaking with Linda Elsgood. Hope I pronounced that right. And she is a leader in the movement to educate patients and doctors about LDN. And if you read about her, and she'll tell you her story and what she's been doing, you'll realize that she is the epitome of the tireless individual, the indefatigable individual uh, that is required to get this type of information out to people. Uh, please understand that this particular, this particular interview is being pre-recorded, so there won't, won't be any opportunity for live Q&A, but uh, Linda tells me that we'll have a methodology of asking questions or getting more information that she'll cue you in towards the end of the lecture. So welcome, Linda. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much for inviting me. It is our honor. So please, tell us your story. Okay. My life was okay. Um, I was working full-time. I had two children, so I, I ran the home, saw to all the the cooking, the cleaning, the gardening, the decorating, working. I was Wonder Woman. I thought I could do anything. Um, I was a bank manager at the time. And as I say, life was fine. I was healthy, which I took for granted. And one day I came home from work and my father phoned. Now, my father never, ever phoned. He didn't like the phone. And he said, your mother's had a heart attack. She's now going in the ambulance. And I literally just got in. I'd taken my coat off. I put my coat back on to, to get to the hospital. My father was in a wheelchair and uh, the ambulance people wouldn't take him with my mother because he had to have somebody to look after him when he got there. So I said, well, tell them to take you. I will be on my way. And this was Christmas um, 2000. And... Um, it was icy, it had been snowing, the roads were terrible. It would normally have taken me about an hour and a half to drive there, but it took a good two hours. Now, my mother uh, had had some um, medication to keep her alive. It was a very major heart attack, and I sat beside her bed. I'm an only child. My husband came and, and took my father home um, because they wouldn't let him stay overnight in case there was a fire or whatever. Um, but I had it in my mind that if I held my mother's hand and sat with her, she would be fine. If I went to sleep, she would go to sleep and that would be it. So I kept myself awake for 48 hours, which is rather silly, but it did make sense to me at the time. And uh, my mother came home. Um, she had to have somebody look after her, so I had both my parents here with me. I was had to go back to work um, a friend of mine was a nurse and she came and helped look after my parents and I was tired I was so unbelievably tired and then I started to get ill different things were happening to me um, my leg became numb I had this awful fatigue I didn't really have energy to do anything so what happened then, I said to my husband, I'm just having this, I had flu, I had gastroenteritis, I was just sick, 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 I want to go away, I want to go away, have a vacation, come back and I'll feel fine. He couldn't come, he was working, so I took my youngest daughter. And while we were on holiday, we went to um, 
Thought you'd gone, it should have been hot, it was Easter time. But it was freezing cold and it was raining, so we decided to be glad to stay in or walk out in the rain. So we, we went in the rain. And the left hand side of my face was numb, and as, as if I'd had a, a filling. And I couldn't understand why I had this numbness on my face. And the left hand side of my tongue felt as though I'd eaten some cheese and it had melted and, and burnt my tongue. So we managed and luckily we were only away for a week and when I came back I went to see my neurologist and or saw a neurologist who then became my neurologist who said uh, he thought I had had um, a mild stroke that um, I had a, a, a foreign disease of, of some kind or I'd got MS. Um, I didn't really like any of those options. I would have liked something I that... I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. so, oh, a brain tumour. That was the other thing, a oh, brain that, tumour. That's, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted something where he could say, you know, here's a pill, go home, and you, you're going to be fine. So it, it, it went on, and I was just so tired. I, I couldn't cope with working five days a week. So I, I went part-time. I uh, only worked four days a week, but that didn't make any difference. And then I got double vision. I lost my hearing in my left ear, and at which point I could not move. Um, so I had to give in. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't move. And I had an MRI, a lumbar puncture, and was told it was MS. I had uh, a three-day course of intravenous steroids, and six weeks later I was given another course of intravenous steroids because they thought... I was going to lose my hearing and my eyesight completely, which made me put on so much weight. I'm a pale person and my face was like a, a red beach ball. It was <laughs> it was unbelievable. I didn't look like myself. But uh, the second course of steroids didn't work. But at that time, I, I was so ill. When I say ill, I was on the toilet the whole time. I, yeah. I didn't have any... Um, bladder control my bowels I know it, it's not the dumb thing to talk about one's bowels but uh, to That's explain okay. we talk about this <laughs> all the time it's like it was, a major subject all the time yeah it, it was like sneezing you know how you feel a sneeze coming and you go uh uh chew but it was like that from my bowels Ooh, and okay. there was there was no control at all it would be a case of it's going to happen and boom it, it would happen. So you, you don't want to leave the house and, sure. until what happens, because it happens every day, but never at the same time, which would have been more convenient. But I had no balance. I had to furniture walk. People with MS will know what I mean by furniture walking. But I would trip. I would stumble over nothing. Um, I had very bad vertigo. So if I turned my head too quickly, everything would spin. And my legs became as though they were rubber bands, so I used to bounce a lot. So trying to move, I ended up on the floor most of the time through one reason or another. But the left-hand side, this numbness on my face and my tongue spread. And after a few weeks, you could draw a line right down my face, half my, my nose, my tongue, my cheek, my chest. The whole left-hand side was numb with pins and needles, but numb in a way that any clothing or bedding that touched was really, really painful. And on top of that, I had twitching muscles and I had burning limbs, like you had sunburn and oh, they used to be on fire. And I used to say to my husband, feel my legs, they're on fire. I don't want to feel your legs. Oh, please, please just feel my legs. Oh, they are so awesome. hot. That's a I know. <laughs> when I don't want to feel your legs. When you're dating, they want to feel your legs, but after exactly. you're married, forget about it. <laughs> so he would feel my legs and say, "Well, are you talking about your legs are cold?" But to me, they were, you know, they were on fire. So and then cognitively, oh my goodness, English became my second language. I couldn't recall vocabulary. Everything was foggy. Um, I would try and I would say. Could, could you make me a cup of tea? I never, ever drink tea. I only drink coffee. So my husband would say, well, don't you mean coffee? And I'd say, well, didn't I say coffee? No. 
Well, can you let the cat out? He wants to go to the toilet. Don't you mean the dog? Or didn't I say dog? Why do you have to, you know, you're depressing me? Please don't keep correcting me. I think I'm saying it right. And it's really depressing. So he would say to me, I'm telling you so you'll know for next time. Well, no, it doesn't work like that because I think I'm saying it correctly anyway. You know, next time I could call the, the dog a duck and still think I'd call it a dog. I mean, but it was depressing. So every time oh, I spoke, sure. he was correcting me. And then I started to get where I was choking on my food. So every time I swallowed something, he'd come and hit me on the back and it didn't really, <laughs> didn't really help either. And the only way I could speak to try and make sense because everything was so muddled in my head I had to speak slowly so I sounded as though I'd had a stroke because it was such a struggle it was so tiring to try and get together the information to make a sentence which to me made sense but it, it, it didn't to other people and then I, I couldn't uh, find the mouth simple thing um, my daughter used to have to put the cup to her mouth because I couldn't find where my mouth was. Only saving grace was I slept most of the time. I was asleep about 20 hours a day. I was only awake <clears throat> for like four hours, which was marvellous because I didn't, I didn't feel anything while I was asleep. But, and I also had pains in my head, really bad pains. And I, I, I do believe the doctors thought I was um, making it up it, it used to be a pain the size of the top of a wine glass sometimes it would be at the front right sometimes the back left it would move but the pain was so intense it used to make me feel nauseous wow. so nauseous um, I was given some very strong painkillers which made the pain bearable it didn't remove it it made it bearable but the nausea was even worse it was that. really bad and I had optic neuritis where I felt as though somebody, you know, stuck a pencil in my eye to move my eyeball up, down, left or right. Really, really painful. Mm -hmm. And I was in a wheelchair. I could, uh, as I say, furniture walk in the house and falling over. But outside of the house, I had to use a, a wheelchair. And at this point, um, we, we're going, moving forward now. It was um, October 2003. And I went to see my neurologist and he examined me. He sat down. He looked at me. He leant across the desk, held his hand out, shook hands with me and said, I'm really sorry to tell you you're secondary progressive now. Got up, opened the door and said, there's nothing more we can do for you and showed me out. Oh, I'm surprised uh, he didn't use a catapult. It was awful. I, I bet it was. I sat, sat in the car and I said to my husband, he may as well have said, go home and die quietly. Don't make a fuss. You're an embarrassment. You know, there was no plan B. There was nothing anybody could do to help me. It was awful. I felt totally alone, frightened, um, because I couldn't live my life like that. Um, one day the doctor came out to see me and bought me some more painkillers. Um, I was in the house on my own and the doctor very kindly went and fetched me a glass of water and he left my neighbour was uh, keeping his eye on me mm -hmm. and my husband was working and I thought the thing that really got to me was the look in everybody's eyes family and friends they all felt helpless they all wanted to help me and there was nothing that anyone could do and to see that in their eyes awful mm. I'm sorry okay take a deep breath so uh, it's, a it's a tough story I understand so I'd got the tablets and I thought that the family would understand if I took them they would know why and at least that way everybody once they got over the shock, could be able to get their lives back. Rather than me just lying there for days passing without me <coughs> participating. I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't achieve anything. Anything I wanted to do, I couldn't do. I felt a complete and utter failure. 
Okay, take a breath, kid. Relax, relax. Okay. We really appreciate you sharing your story with us because I know how much this hurts. And then I... Luckily, I managed to think who was going to find me. And it would have been my 15-year-old daughter. Okay. And I couldn't do that to her. I don't know. So the only option was to fight it, to do something that I could actually live again. So, in between my many toilet visits, I used to sit on the computer. I I thought there must be other people out there. I couldn't be so unique that I was the only one who ever felt like this. And uh, I I found LDN, and uh, I found some people that were taking it. And luckily, some of these people were willing to talk to me, and everybody said the same, that if it wasn't going to do me any good, it wasn't going to do me any harm. I printed out all the information I had and, and went to see my own doctor who had retired and by then I had a, a nice new young lady doctor who was very kind and understanding and she said she was going to give the information to the partners and would I go back in two weeks. I went back and she said uh, she wasn't able to prescribe it for me but if it was me, if it was her she would like to try it so if I could find somebody who would prescribe it for me she would be happy to monitor me now I found a doctor who would prescribe it for me and amazingly in three weeks this awful feeling of having fog in my head where I couldn't think like living in a television set that wasn't tuned in all that came back in three weeks and it was just amazing I could think again and being able to think clearly was such a big deal I, w I wasn't talking rubbish anymore so, I heard you, so you were speaking coherently yes yeah. wonderful wonderful yeah. but my husband still says I talk rubbish <laughs> oh, I, that's because he's your husband that's the same thing goes with the legs and everything. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Tell them we know what's, we know what's going on. It's true, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was three weeks, and and that was totally amazing. Now my daughter, um, when she was fifteen, she spent the whole of the the summer holiday looking after me, washing me, feeding me, um, washing my hair. It was role reversal, you know. Put your head back, close your eyes. You'll be getting so you, ne you know. You'll never argue with a daughter no. that loves you. Never <laughs> argue with it. And guess what? She is now. She's a nurse. Oh boy, that's a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah. And she's uh, she worked on a stroke unit for eighteen months, and so now she's trained to be a nurse practitioner. Wonderful. So, but she was very good at looking after me. But uh, I. I I gradually got my balance back. Now, if you think I'd been years of not being able to carry anything because of the furniture walking and the falling over, I was on the floor. I mean, carrying a glass with anything in it would have just been too dangerous. And one day she said to me, could you get me a glass of orange juice? And I thought, I haven't fallen over for a while. I think I can do this. So it was all in slow motion, going to the cupboard, getting the glass out, putting it down, opening the fridge, pouring the orange juice in, taking it to her. Uh, I didn't fill it right up in case I spilt it. But anyway, I took it to her and I came back and I said to my husband, I've just taken Laura a glass of orange juice and I didn't spill it. You know, it was to me, that was the first really, really big thing that I'd done. I'd that achieved was, something, you know. It was such a big deal. That now, was beyond she, a big deal. Yeah, she didn't know how cognitively I thought I was suffering from some form of Alzheimer's. 
I thought everything was going to go. You know, the only thing I'd got left was my memory and it, that was slipping away from me. And that was my biggest fear that I was just going to lose myself completely. Mm-hmm. She came in with the empty glass and put it on the, the countertop and said, it was very kind of you to bring me a glass, Mum, but you didn't put any orange in it. Now, because my state of mind had been so bad, I believed her and not myself. I thought I had imagined putting that orange in there and I just burst into tears and thinking, well, that's it, you know. <laughs> I, I've really lost it. And she was saying, no, 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 no. Was it a it's joke? It's a joke, yeah. Ah, it's a joke. And that really backfired on her. <laughs> <laughs> But now if she tried that, I would know. Oh, gosh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Honestly, I believed her and not myself. Well, you had good reason to, and and she had good reason to to play with you a little bit and make you giggle. That's great. Yeah. So I had two choices then. Um, LDN just was getting better and better, and I, I carried on improving for 18 months. What was I going to do? after being told there was nothing more that could do for me and life wasn't worth living and suddenly it was again did I say I'm okay aren't I the lucky one or do I tell other people who have been told there's nothing more that can do for you who are in that really deep dark place who perhaps didn't have the strength to carry on like I did so I decided I wanted to tell everybody you know that it's not a miracle drug, it's not a cure, it doesn't help everybody, but it's something that you could try. So uh, it took five months, and in actual fact, last week, the LDN Research Trust was established ten years ago. So that was a, a, a big milestone. And we've helped over 14,000 people around the world um, get LDN. LDN can work for any condition that has an autoimmune component and so far there's 174 conditions that we know of that people have tried LDN for. Let's let's go back a little bit if we could. We can. Would you explain to our audience what exactly low-dose naltrexone is? Okay. Naltrexone in its full strength was used um, for heroin and drug addiction back in the late 70s, early 80s. But used in low doses, it helps, according to Dr. Ian Zagon, who did lots of studies of um, LDN back in the late 70s, early 80s, it helps regulate a dysfunctional immune system. And Dr. Bernard Bahari was using it in his um, practice for AIDS and a friend of his had got a daughter who had got MS and he decided that he would try it on this young lady and it worked very well and um, she was on it for many years she did actually stop after a while thinking that she'd been misdiagnosed and her MS wasn't really MS after all and when she stopped she relapsed Um, Mm. yeah Dr. Bahari had been using LDN for many conditions, um, cancer too. But that's the problem uh, with LDN. When you say it can be used for all these different conditions, it loses some credibility because it sounds like it's too good to be true. It sounds like a panacea. And anything that's considered a panacea has um, veracity problems. Yes, exactly. Um, but naltrexone, when it was trialed in its full strength and people were taking it 50 milligram tablets three times a day, so that was 150 milligrams, that was found safe. It was only harmful to the liver in doses of 300 milligrams a day. And with LDN, which stands for low-dose naltrexone, people normally take around 3 milligrams or 4.5, so it's a very low dose. In your opinion... And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not going to hold you to this because, you know, I, I realized that in the research that I did for our uh, our um, talk here that uh, nobody really knows the exact mechanism on how this works. Uh, but in your opinion, 
what do you think it's doing? Okay. Um, it helps boost endorphins, and it also helps with the toll-like receptors. So there's two different mechanisms there, and there are many YouTube videos um, from LDM prescribing dots and scientists explaining how they think that LDN works. But people who um, start on LDN start on a very low dose, um, usually around about 1.5 milligrams, and titrate it up by 0.5 every two weeks. Mm -hmm. This is changed. Before 2005, people were starting on 3 milligrams. 3 milligrams was too high for some people was always going to be too high so people were dropping out but by starting on a lower dose and increasing it gradually that fallout rate has really dropped and there are different forms in which you can have LDN now initially it was just capsules um, but some people had problems with their stomach they could get um, very bad nausea and diarrhea especially people with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. So there is now um, the capsules. We have a, a liquid, and there's some sublingual drops, which is relatively new. Um, I think the first was about August last year, and that's absorbed differently, which bypasses the stomach. So for those people that had problems with um, stomach issues that's now no longer a problem uh, years ago it was told you could only take it at night because that's when your body makes um, more endorphins um, but so many doctors have found that it did cause sleep issues with some people and they tell their patients to try it in the morning and they still get very good benefits Full studies and trials are needed to find out further information on LDN. And it, it isn't um, weight-related because uh, we have many men that can't take 3 milligrams. And these are big men. And you get a very small lady who can take 4.5 milligrams, no problem. So we need to, to know that. I'm getting the impression that um, that this can support or be effective in a myriad of autoimmune conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, in your experience in talking to people, and again, I know we're you know we have our limitations of what we can talk about, uh, only because we have to be careful about the men in black going to show up at our doors. Okay, but. Um, in raising awareness about LDN, people are still very diagnostically oriented. Like, I have X, what can you do for it? What are some of the things that in your experience and what you've seen, you interact with a lot of people, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you seen? I know it doesn't work with everybody, so now that I've did all those caveats, yep. okay, mm -hmm. what are the things that you've seen it works best for? Okay, um, Crohn's is a, a really good one, uh, psoriasis, amazing um, cases of psoriasis, but with psoriasis people have to be patient, I mean there are people who will say that they noticed improvements after the first week, but normally with psoriasis I would say it takes about six months, and you know how angry psoriasis looks and red and yes. scabby after six months normally it starts to look like skin color and it, it then just all fades it to me just is amazing it's like rubbed out it's like normal skin um and i had a lady who had alopecia and she had a and then the thing i mean Banking was my thing. I, I wasn't medical. Um, I had a first aid certificate. That was my 
whole knowledge of, of medical conditions. But um, this lady had alopecia. She also had Crohn's type symptoms. Um, she had arthritic symptoms. Uh, she was a mess, and she was a young girl, very, very pretty. And she had a, a high-powered job. And uh, her consultant said to her when she was saying that, you know, her hair, she was losing it. Initially, she had a little velvety spot that she used to rub that she thought was quite cute. But the velvety spot spread, and slowly all her hair was just falling out. And her consultant said to her that there were some very pretty scarves out there these days. And she was in her <laughs> early 20s. Yes, she was horrified. Doctor, and it hurts she, when I do this. Then don't do it. <laughs> yeah. She, she lost her eyebrows. She lost her eyelashes. And she said that she'd lost her whole identity. She'd look in the mirror and she'd gone. You know, she, she wasn't there. I understand. And she thought, similar to, to myself, that the, there must be some link here. And she realized everything she had was probably autoimmune. And she found LDN and started it. And slowly her hair came back. Can you believe her hair came back? I, she I, was I believe anything you tell me because I've, <laughs> I've seen miracles happen. I really have. And she had, um, her hair came back black and white, like, or black and grey, mottled, even though she was young. And people thought she'd had this really expensive colour job done on her hair, and she thought it was quite trendy and, and left it as it was. It didn't come back the same texture. It was finer, more like baby hair. Very but she, but she had her hair back. Almost like after chemotherapy comes back. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. But she got her hair back, and to her, that was just absolutely mind-blowing. So but I, I had a... Um, sorry. No, no, no. It, it, it sounds to me that um, if you have a chronic illness, especially in the immunological range, like the auto, autoimmune or whatever you want to, however you want to put it, Mm -hmm. uh, that LDN sounds like it might be worth a try. Uh, what are the risk-benefit factors? Are there any risks using LDN? No, it's, um, it's as I say, it was only found harmful naltrexone if you took 300 milligrams a day. So it's, it's a safe drug. Um, it's such a low dose. Yes, yes. It's not toxic. And, it's, of course, it's very in inexpensive. Um, people in the States pay around about $26 a month. Really? Yeah, it, it's not an expensive drug, but it's out of patent. So um, drug companies are not interested in trialing it because there's no profit. But there is a, a company set up now called um, TNI Biotech, and they're planning some trials and studies to get LDN out there. And they have promised that LDM would never be more than a dollar a day. Wow, that's that's uh, that's pretty amazing for anybody in the pharmaceutical industry to even uh, say, mm. because uh, uh, here in America, the more the better. Yeah. The more money they can charge for it, the better. And we have a new medical advisor called Dr. Pradeep Chopra, and he's from Rhode Island. Amazing man. Um, as I say, he's a pain specialist. He uses LDM. And you can listen to the interviews on the LDN Research Trust YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. Very amazing that we've had 132,000 video views wow. so far. Yeah, I mean... You were very... <laughs> Sorry? No, no, no. I was saying you were very kind to send me a bunch of links that I'll be <laughs> putting on my website. Is that link included in there? It is, or it should be, yeah. Okay, no problem. Um, but he has patients come to him. He's the last in the line. People with fibromyalgia, neuropathy, um, regional, <coughs> regional pain syndrome. People that have been on morphine and fentanyl patches and their pain is still in between a 9 and a 10 every day. These are people that have to live with such bad pain and there's nothing. And he decided he would say to these um, patients that he would like them to try LDN if they were willing to give up all their narcotics because you can't take LDN with, with a narcotic. Okay. And um, 
they all said, well, yes, that's fine. I'm probably sure not all of them said that, but the ones that he, he was talking <laughs> to me about, yeah, that they weren't working anyway. So he weaned them off, which is quite a complex thing, and nobody should ever stop taking any painkillers without medical supervision. Agreed. So he got them off the, these medications and started them on LDN, and he said to me that they came back and the feedback he got was that the pain was bearable. It was still there, but it was bearable. Or it had reduced from what it was. You know, it hadn't gone. So he wanted to know whether it was placebo that he told these people that it was going to work on their pain, whether, you know, it was actually the LDN or mind over matter. So he said to them, OK, you've been on LDN now for, for this many weeks. Um, I'd like you to stop taking it. And he said, without exception, every single one said, you're not stopping the LDN. It's the only thing that's ever worked for me. And he's done one small pilot study on um, LDN, which he presented at the LDN conference in Chicago. Amazing. Absolutely amazing that something so so minuscule can have a better effect than these people were having with morphine. Absolutely unbelievable. And I had um, one doctor I met, and unfortunately, both him, um, his wife and daughter had MS, and he wanted um, them to try LDN. And he was also a diabetic and had um, neuropathy. He had no feeling in his toes apart from pain. Um, awful. And he tried LDN. And I think he said in 30 years, the pain that he'd had in his feet had virtually gone. It, it was no problem to him. And that was the first time that I'd actually spoken to somebody. And this was all around about 2008, I think that people had told me about LDN for the pain. Now, for myself, I didn't finish completing my story, did I? No, the no num please. The, the numbness and pins and needles went. The vertigo went. The balance problems went. I had my bowel and bladder control back. Cognitive things cleared. Um, my eyesight it's not as good as it was, but it's it's okay. The hearing in my left ear is back probably 75% of the time. And it's amazing. I can achieve things. I know I've got MS. I'm, I'm not back to how I used to be. But if I plan things and pace myself, I can do anything, which is, you know, which really is called amazing. Having a life, isn't it? It is called having a life, and, and I, I am so impressed. I really am. You got. You, know, you have tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> and I set up the charity in such a way that nobody would ever get paid. So I, I work without any pay. But my payment is when people I've helped somebody get LDN who's found it very difficult and they've mm -hmm. been on it for a while, and they come back and say, "Thank you so much. I feel like me again." or I feel I've been given a second chance, or I feel I've been given my life back. That is just intoxicating. It is. It is just it is. amazing. Absolutely and if amazing. And your <coughs> suffering was to have any meaning, that you've taken that suffering and served your fellow human beings in, in this particular and very expansive manner. You know, I, I always tell people, when I meet people like you, I, I always say that, God has a special place roped off in heaven for you guys, you know, because it's true. Uh, I, I know the questions are going to be, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> is this a uh, prescribed drug? Does it need to be prescribed by a medical physician? Yes, it does. Yes. Okay. It's a prescription-only drug. Is there a listing of physicians that people can access, uh, whether it's in UK or the U or United States or Canada? Uh, is there a listing of physicians who are willing to work with people with LDN? Yes, yes there are. Um, some don't mind having their information out there. Others would rather operate under the radar. I that do I have understand. 
<laughs> I do have a list, and if anybody is interested and would like to find uh, a doctor in their area, if they email me, um, it's very easy. My, I have a short email address, uh, which is Linda, L-I-N-D-A, at L-D-N-R-T dot org. And I'm more than willing to help anybody wherever they live to find a, a doctor. And I will, I will put that on uh, during the show, and I will have it on my uh, on my website. Um, it doesn't sound like it's expensive. It sounds no. like the risk benefit factor is very low risk, all benefit. Sounds like it handles the uh, the inflammatory portion of many many different conditions, uh, which is which is a beautiful thing. Uh, there is uh, indications in what I've read that. There are conferences coming up. There are uh, stuff like that that you're involved in. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about that? Well, we had one, as, as I referred to earlier, last year in Chicago. And for your listeners, if they would like to, to watch the whole um, conference, is in separate parts from each speaker. There are 12 parts. Um, if they go to, if they put in um, the search bar, ldn2013.com it will take them to a site where you have to pay to watch it we need to get the money back from um, <laughs> the outlay that we, we spent that's, that's reasonable that's reasonable um, about how much it, is it? it should be $40 but if they put in the code JESS J-E-S-S 2014 they will get 25% off so it will cost $30 instead of the 40 well, thank you so much. You know that's going to be that's going to be a beautiful thing for people to listen to. It's amazing, and that's a, re and that's a reasonable price. And like yeah. you said, it's it's there to cover cover costs. Yes, we have Dr. Pradeep Chopra talking about pain. There, we had Dr. Jill Smith. If anybody knows anything about the Crohn's, she's um, done Crohn's research. She's done two LDN studies with Crohn's. Absolutely amazing work. Um, where she's done an endoscopy and seeing what people's intestines are like, Crohn's is all ulcers, absolutely awful. Five months later, absolutely clear, like to the back of somebody's throat. That's uh, we amazing. Had, mm, um, Dr. Deanna Windham from the Whitaker Wellness Centre, and she explained herself had lupus, systemic lupus. She should have died uh, if it hadn't have been uh, through LDN. But she uses it in her practice for many different autoimmune conditions and with children as well. And I forgot to say, LDN is also used for uh, autism and a cream is applied to the skin for that, which works really well. Um, Dr. Jacqueline McCandless um, did some studies with LDN for autism. And she also, her and her husband, did studies for HIV in Mali which is also uh, a, a very exciting project that uh, was happening there. Um, That's anyway, interesting. That's <laughs> interesting. <laughs> There's so much to tell you. But, um, so last year the conference was very good. We had Dr. Berkson talking about LDN for, for cancer. Uh, we had uh, Paul Battle um, speaking about MS, amongst other things. Uh, had um, Dr. Patrick Crowley from Ireland and Dr. Tom Gilhooley from Scotland. It was amazing and the air was electric. You could actually feel it crackle. It was amazing. And we have another one this year. Um, it's going to be in Las Vegas. Mm. We're having uh, a networking party on the 6th, which is a Thursday evening, 7 to 9. And the conference is going to be held over two days next time because Really, we were all just so tired. And when is the conference in Las Vegas? It's going to be November, and it will be the 7th and 8th, which is oh. going to be a Friday and a Saturday. I'm going to do my best to come. That would be amazing. That would be we would wonderful. We would be honoured to have you. Oh, well, we'd be honoured to meet you guys. That is wonderful. So we have uh, just a few minutes left. Believe it or not, the hour went rather quickly, didn't it? <laughs> it did. <laughs> I told you I can talk. No, it's good. You were worried about being able to cover stuff. And I said, no, 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 you'll just do it. Okay. Do you have any parting words, anything that you'd like to give as advice to someone out there who may have 
a chronic problem, um, how should they go about investigating whether LDN may be a possible treatment? How should they approach their healthcare practitioner and so okay. forth? Well, we have an inf doctor's information pack that we always say to people, you know, print it off, take it to your doctor. Um, they need to research it. I mean, there are some doctors that now have heard of LDN. I think it's a case that if they specialize in a condition, be it fibromyalgia or mm -hmm. Crohn's or, or something, the patients are educating the doctors, you know. Oh, yes. Like, you're the sixth person that's asked me for LDN. <laughs> and they eventually um, look into it. But I would always say to people, don't take my word for it. Don't take anybody else's word for it. Do your own research. Of course. Read up as much as you can and find out if it's something that, you know, you think is right for you. I, w I want to um, reiterate the fact that, <coughs> excuse me, that the grassroots movement, the patients telling the doctors what they want and what is that the doctors should learn is catching on. Let me tell you something. Uh, you can, the reason I have a lot of physicians who I mentor right now is because their patients have been haranguing them saying, you have to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm getting better because of what Dr. So-and-so is doing because he understands XX and X. How come you don't? Six months ago, that doctor would have just said that's not important, and then they learned that it was. Good doctors will look to train. Other doctors will continue to um, ignore it and, uh, and you know, poo-poo it away, in which case you change doctors because, let's face it, uh, especially in most areas of the country, especially here in Philadelphia, you can't swing a dead cat and not hit a doctor. Okay, so they're not the only game in town. Mm -hmm. You deserve to be treated well and with respect and with knowledge. And you should demand that your doctors do the appropriate training, okay, and this is how you bring them the information. Okay, so organizations like Linda's are invaluable because guess what? Now you have, ammun now you have ammunition, now you have information to say, hey, this might work. Okay, there's no risk, there's only benefit, let's try it. And if it's helping me, great. If not, you know, no harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. And I think people should try something sooner rather than later because things like, uh, with a, I mean, myself, I've not, 18 months on LDN and I was improving, I've stabilized. And prior to that, I was, deteriorating rapidly uh, it's a progressive disease but it is it it's is. halted the disease I have now been on LDN it was 10 years uh, on the 3rd of December last year and honestly I have had no progression in that time and I'm touching wood here because I don't and the bottom line truly is if this particular substance gets you to a certain plateau point and even if you had to take it every day like you said, it's about a dollar a day, mm -hmm. as opposed to some neuropsychiatric medicines that are about a thousand dollars a month. Okay, so mm -hmm. again, even if it isn't the total answer, and you have a chronic condition that cannot be cured, it can be managed and can be managed more effectively, mm -hmm. and you can have a life rather than an existence. Yeah. Yeah. Linda, I want to thank you so much for being on our show tonight and sharing your knowledge and sharing your story, uh, and sharing your struggles. Um, you've given me several uh, email addresses and links which will appear on my website. Um, I can't tell you that uh, giving of yourself in this manner, uh, you're going to be helping hundreds and thousands of more people because this will spread the awareness of LDN. Uh, I learned a lot myself tonight. I just want to take the time to thank you for your story, thank you for you, and thank you for all your hard work. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. Okay. Take care. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. Bye-bye.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, uh, the interview with Linda Elsa Good. A uh, very moving story, uh, very big um, support for low-dose naltrexone. Um, we only have about less than five minutes left. Uh, if anybody wants to call in with a question, it's 646-595-2277. There are two numbers that have been up there for quite a while, so I'm going to see if these are questions or people just listening in, okay? Hi, this is Dr. Armine, uh, 920 area code. Are you there? Yes, Dr. Armine. This is Ann Nye. Hey, Ann. How are you, kid? Hanging you, in did there. You enjoy the, did you enjoy the uh, episode? I did. Um, what did he say was the highest dose you could go on, on LDN? The highest dosage uh, is 4.5 milligrams. It does go a bit higher depending on the practitioner. Uh, sometimes they do LDN in two um, two doses a day, one in the morning, one in the evening. But um, like I said, it doesn't work with everybody, but it does in fact uh, have a high probability of working and decreasing inflammation and uh, reversing a lot of chronic um, chronic symptomatology, especially in the neurological region. And uh, the, the argument has always has always been with like multiple sclerosis is about what about the sclerotic plaques? Well. You know, uh, Linda had sclerotic plaques like the big like the Big Ben. Yet, you know, I can tell you from observation because when she visited the United States, I picked her up at the airport. That this lady, you know, does not look like she has anything wrong with her whatsoever. You know, and it's from taking LDN. So it's um, it's kind of it's kind of worth the uh, the thought. You know, kind of worth the consideration. I've been using it for about three years. Um, I just wanted to let people know i don't know how many people that are listening have lyme but most lyme literate medical doctors will prescribe ldn mm -hmm. um, sure well yeah so i appreciate i appreciate that thought i'm going to see if i can get to a couple of other calls okay Ann? yep all right thanks dear i appreciate it baby bye-bye Hi, person in the 217 area code. Hi, Dr. Armand. Um, I had a question about the transdermal cream. I don't know if there's a whole mm -hmm. lot of information about this yet. Um, about the concern about it clearing the receptor sites. Define clearing the receptor sites or define what your concern is about the receptor sites. Um, kind of more like how the oral is supposed to only bind to the receptor sites for a few hours and then and unbind so that it does its job, but then the transdermal maybe doesn't do it the same way because it's more of a continuous... A continuous application. Uh, remember, yeah. you talk, you're talking about... Um, now, there's positives and negatives about <clears throat> the amount of time something hangs onto a receptor and gives you a therapeutic benefit. Uh, when you're taking an oral dose, um, you know, there's, there's a defined uh, therapeutic window. You know, it's on the receptor for this amount of time, and then it's off. Uh, some people think it's better to have a more continuous, continuous application. Okay, it doesn't, it hangs on the receptor because the delivery system allows for uh, a continuous um, absorption. Okay, and once that, you know, that amount is done, then it will go off the receptors in the scheduled amount of time. So hanging on the receptors isn't necessarily a bad thing because that's when it gets on the toll receptors, and I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I understand the mechanism, but um, the, uh, that's where the uh, immune downregulation happens. And uh, so it may not be a bad thing that it uh, works uh, uh, continuously. Okay, okay, so, so it wouldn't necessarily be harmful to block no. the endorphins for too long. No, you're you're um you're not really blocking the endorphins so so much as you're competing for the receptor sites. And if you block endorphins, the person would get into pain immediately. Okay, you're replacing it with something that's doing something better, plus knocking down inflammation. So I don't perceive that as being a bad thing. Uh, I may be wrong. I'd be happy to look it up, and uh, if you uh, 
emailed me with that question, I would be happy to, to uh, research it and answer it for you. But I think it's a, I think it's a matter of point of view, and um, I would look at it from the point of view of the therapeutic window and how long, you know, a, a lower dose over a longer period of time, especially in a child, would be um, a whole lot better. Okay. Just a thought. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. That person in the 847 area code? Yes, um, thank you. My question is in, in regards to LDN and um, thyroid medication, is it true that a person might have to take less thyroid when they're starting LDN? Yes and no. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I, I'm very sure you have to keep an eye on the thyroid numbers, and I think you have to keep an eye on... Um, the uh, thyroid symptomatology, okay? But mm-hmm. if you look at it from the point of view that you're, that some of the reasons and most of the reasons for thyroid dysfunction, like in Hashimoto's thyroiditis and stuff like that, is because of chronic inflammation, usually because of gluten allergy, but we won't get into it because I don't want the men in black standing at my door. Uh, <clears throat> but if you look at it, yeah, that was a joke. You can giggle. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, if you look at it from the point of view that uh, it's decreasing inflammation and then would allow not only the thyroid axis to work, the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis, but the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal and hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, okay, when you start decreasing inflammation, these are the kind of things that have been blocked from working <clears throat> or have been interfered with, partially at least. So also some of the thyroid symptoms or supposed thyroid symptoms are coming from mitochondrial dysfunction because the fatigue and uh, sluggishness and so forth can also be caused by that. So when you start dropping inflammation, all these things that were not working begin to work again, okay? So you kind of, so if you kind of have to look at the um, thyroid and say, gee, you know, am, am I letting this person now have too much thyroid, okay? And you just have to work with your prescriber to you know, to keep an eye on the numbers, and you have to keep an, uh, a good record of your uh, symptomatology so your prescriber can say, hey, hey, we better back off on this, okay? Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. This has been very You're most welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Take care. Okay, guys, we're at the end of the show, and um, really good questions. Uh, if you have uh, questions about LDN, uh, please uh, either uh, go to my website and ask and um, <clears throat> email me. I'll, whatever I can answer myself, I will forward to Linda. Uh, I will post all those email addresses and all those contact information again on the Dr. Jess Armine uh, blog, and it will be there for you by tomorrow. Uh, this is something to consider. Uh, it has all the hallmarks of something that works well, and um, there's lots and lots and lots of clinical evidence that it works. Uh, the risk-benefit factor is low. There's very little risk, you know, probability of great benefit. And, uh, frankly, the price is right. Okay, I mean, this is one of those things you sit there and say, oh, my God, I should be, I should be paying $50 or $60 a day, and it's a dollar a day. And the dosages are very low. So do some people react to it? Yes. You know, I've never met a medication that no one reacts to. Okay, but that's why you work with a good alternative medicine doctor that, you know, is experienced in this. Yeah. Um, again, if uh, if anybody's having difficulty with uh, with chronic inflammation and the downstream effects of that, like dysautonomia, POTS, uh, mastocytosis, and we've been getting a lot, a lot, a lot of cases like that, uh, they should call us at uh, 610-449-9716 and speak with Megan about obtaining a uh, 15-minute Get Acquainted conference to see if there's something we can do for you. And uh, I always feel better if I chat with somebody for about 15 minutes because then I can look at them in in the nostrils and say, yeah, I really feel like it can help you, or "Mm, this really isn't in my court. Let me me send you in the right direction. That's the best service I think I can do for people. So um, until next week, where we'll have another great show. I don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be a great show because we work hard on these things. I really appreciate all of your attention. Everyone have a great week. Thanks. It's been a long, long